This is WRAL News, your number one source for local news. Governor Roy Cooper says the data will drive North Carolina's reopening plans, and he isn't budging despite pressure from other politicians. Good evening, I'm Gerald Owens. And I'm Deborah Morgan. Thank you for joining us. This half hour, our WRL Investigates team analyzes the numbers in neighboring states as they start to reopen. We start, though, with breaking news coming out of northern Wake County. Rosalia Federa is there in the breaking news tracker. Rosalia? This is Falls Lake and the Wake County Sheriff's Department and a whole lot of other first responders are here for a water rescue. I want to take you and show you what's happening behind me. You can see this line of emergency vehicles. Uh, the town of Cary Fire Department is also here. You can see all these patrol cars. Now the water is on the other side of these trees. So I want to take you right to this Sky 5 video. It flew over Falls Lake within the last hour. Take a look. You can see rescue crews searching the water. When I drove by within the last five minutes, they were still out there searching. Now, what exactly happened? How many people they're looking for? Uh, what led up to this? Those are all still questions we are asking. Um, the Wake County Sheriff's Office uh, public information officers on his way here to answer some of those questions. And as soon as we have more information, we will bring it to you. I'm going to be out here all night uh, following along and we will update you once we have more information. Back to you. We know you'll stay on top of this. Thank you, Rosalia. New reaction this hour from North Carolina Republican Senate leader Phil Berger, who is calling on the governor and state health leaders to open salons and barbershops. Under the current plan, they would not be allowed to open until phase two at the earliest. Senator Berger spoke with WRL's Travis Fain about why he says this move should happen now. It is my belief that it can be done safely. We're seeing it in other states. Uh, I think if uh, if you look along the border of uh, North Carolina and South Carolina, uh, you're seeing a lot of folks from North Carolina going over the border. They're getting their hair cut uh, or getting their hair styled uh, there or the border with uh, with Georgia. Folks are going there. Uh, and I believe we we are in some respects just fooling ourselves, uh, thinking that uh, that, that uh, we, we are not seeing uh, that sort of activity. I believe it can be done safely. I believe these folks need uh, need some relief uh, from the lockdown. Uh, we uh, we have a good situation as far as our healthcare resources. I think it's time to move in this direction. And you essentially would like to see this tomorrow, right? Uh, as soon as possible. I, you know, I've said for several weeks I didn't think that the governor was moving uh, at a pace that I thought was appropriate. I thought uh, that he was holding back a little bit too much. So uh, as soon as possible, I think it's. Uh, uh, it's something that needs to be done. I, uh, you know, I, I think what we need to do is is, is follow the data that's out there, uh, and uh, I'm I'm trying to see what it what there is in the data that says not to do this. I think we need to follow the science, and I think the science tells us that there are protocols that uh, that can be put in place that can, uh, can can enable this to be done safely. And we're seeing other other states uh, move forward, and we're not seeing the kinds of spikes that uh, that folks. Uh, are concerned about or say they're concerned about. Some of our neighbors, as you heard Senator Berger mention, are well into their reopenings. WRL investigates Cullen Browner looked into the data from the other states now getting back to business. 
As North Carolina sticks to its measured reopen approach, other states opted to get businesses back to work faster. Neighboring South Carolina started reopening retailers April 20th. That week, the state tallied more than 1,100 cases. Each subsequent week, the number of cases dropped, down to 990 projected cases this week. Georgia has been even more aggressive, allowing gyms and salons to open April 24th, then theaters and restaurants days later. Yet Georgia's daily COVID-19 case numbers from May 1st steadily dropped from 673 to just over 300 this week. Those numbers are preliminary. What should we read into that data? I think we made the right decision. Dr. Roger MacArthur is an infectious disease physician at the Medical College of Georgia at Augusta University. Uh, I applaud our governor for, for doing it. He took a chance. Uh, so he was criticized by some. It seems to have worked out. It is early, as you said, it's only been a week or two. A lot of individuals are still staying at home. Yeah, I think we should be a bit careful. NC State biologist Dr. Alan Lloyd still believes it's way too early to tell. He points to inconsistencies in other states that opened earlier. Case trends are down in Colorado, where retail opened with restrictions. Oklahoma, which even opened gyms and restaurants, is also going down. But Texas, which opened restaurants, retail, theaters, and more with restrictions, has seen its average caseload increase. So I think it's both a case of we need more time, but also maybe we need to see different sorts of data, both data on numbers of cases, but also data on um, directly on people's movement and behavior. That was Colin Browder reporting. Members of North Carolina's Hispanic community say they're struggling, and many aren't able to get the supplies they need to stay safe. Siembra in Siembra, North Carolina, recently polled more than 300 Spanish-speaking immigrants living in the central part of the state. 42% said they haven't been able to get a mask or a face covering, and they want one. 70% said their most urgent need was paying rent. 69% said they live in a household where at least one person has lost work. Now, this comes one day after Durham's health department released new numbers, showing an alarming uptick in the number of cases in the Hispanic community. WRL's Laura Levine shows us what measure local leaders are taking to turn this trend around. The director of public health, Rodney Jenkins, says COVID-19 is an equal opportunity threat. The CEO of this nonprofit here, El Central Hispano, is witnessing that in her own community. She's joined the Durham Renewal and Recovery Task Force to help curb the spike in numbers. Pilar Rocha Goldberg spends much of her time providing education, health and well-being and economic development resources to the Hispanic community. In the job, they are not getting uh, the equipment, the personal equipment, protection equipment they need. She says this demographic is being hit hard by the virus because of existing health disparities. When people have fear of going to be tested, also because of stigma, uh, the information they have to share and everything. Lack of health insurance, high-risk jobs, or the lack of employment are all factors into what's hurting their community the most. We want to make sure that we get into all the nooks and crannies to provide that awareness that they need in an effort to ensure that they're getting the care that they need and to, for them to understand that um, COVID-19 is, is nothing to run away from or be, be ashamed of. In a recent city-county meeting, officials announced they've gathered experts from Hispanic-Latino organizations to help better promote and obtain resources. Is when we go out, we don't see a lot of our community members using the masks. 
and we believe is um, because lack of information, but also lack of the resources. County officials also reported that the Hispanic community has seen the highest reduction in household income so far. El Centro will begin helping people with rent and utilities as well. Laura Levine, WRL News, Durham. Three more meat processing plants in North Carolina now have confirmed COVID-19 cases. Facilities in Hoke, Wayne and Randolph counties are the latest on the list, which now covers 26 plants in 17 counties for a total of 1,565 cases from 60. That's a 60% spike from this time last week. WRL asked North Carolina Agriculture Commissioner Steve Troxler about this late this afternoon. We've been working with the uh, North Carolina uh, Department of Health and CDC on things that the companies can do uh, to make this work, uh, work environment as safe as possible. The trick to it is we've got to have workers that go to work to process these products to have meat on the shelf. As of now, Commissioner Troxler says there are no plans to close any of the facilities. The coronavirus has disrupted business as usual, but some companies are reinventing themselves to meet new demands for protective gear. At ASI's Signage Innovations in Holly Springs, the staff has begun making face shields. ASI typically makes ag architectural signs, but uh, orders have gone down during the pandemic, so executives decided to make plastic reusable face shields to meet the high demand. The company produced 25,000 shields for the State Emergency Management Division last month. We reached out, found people that had been furloughed or were on um, unemployment or that needed some work, and we brought them in and uh, on a temporary basis to help us do the assembly. The company has a pending contract to make another 50,000 face shields for the state. ASI is also selling them to restaurants, hair salons, and retail stores. From office space to how you buy or sell your home, adapting to social distancing will prompt changes well beyond the outbreak. Ahead on WRAL, the new normal in the real estate market and how agents are connecting with clients. Plus, office spaces and employers face a new challenge when and if remote working takes a back seat again. The options business leaders have to keep workers safe. Because of COVID-19, the IRS is now allowing changes with your health insurance coverage and flexible spending accounts. Five on your side's Monica LaLiberty tells us about the mid-year moves now allowed. This is a big deal because we typically make those decisions back in the fall and then we're locked in for a full year. That's unless, of course, there's a qualifying life event like a marriage, divorce, or a baby. But now the IRS is relaxing the rules. Maybe you've had more medical costs than anticipated, or less. Maybe summer camp isn't happening, and you budgeted for that with your pre-tax dollars. The government recognizes the impact of COVID-19 on all of that end-of-year deduction planning. Most health FSAs allow you to carry over a certain amount, but anything more and any dependent care until now was use it or lose it. The new rules just announced by the IRS allow you to change contributions made to your health FSA and dependent care assistance programs, as well as change your health care coverage, whether starting enrollment or switching to a different plan. But no, this is really the IRS giving the green light to employers. It's ultimately up to them to accept the relaxed rules. So check with your human resources for specifics. 
But really think about any changes you make before you act because it's not clear how long the relaxed rules will be in place. Monica LaLiberty, WRL News 5 on your side. The process of buying a home can be very time consuming, but changes made during the pandemic are streamlining it in a way that could make many home buyers and sellers happy. Real estate agents are now offering virtual showings on YouTube or on apps like FaceTime. Now they take you around the house to show you each room as if you were walking through the house yourself. It's a way to cut down on human interaction and possible germs and infection, but it's also saving time. That's why agents say this could become a permanent thing. People are starting to realize that, hey, we can accomplish so much with technology. Think about how much time and effort that puts back into our schedule just by doing these 3D tours or these YouTube videos. Now, some people will obviously want to see the house in person, take a look at the neighborhood before making a final decision. But according to Zillow, 3D showings went up 600% at the end of March. Well, even when people start to return to work, office spaces and employers have a new task on their to-do list, making the environment safe and socially distanced friendly. A survey recently conducted found nearly half of all employers who have the option to work remotely will continue to do so after COVID-19 compared to the pre-pandemic. One company we know will not be going back anytime soon in our area is Nationwide. Their parking lot will remain empty as the company recently announced a permanent shift to remote working. Now joining us now to discuss the evolution of the communal workspace is Kathy Hockneck. She's a managing partner of New Concepts based out of Durham. Kathy, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Uh, Kathy, what are some of the common questions you're receiving from clients who want to make changes and what's your team recommending? So one of the most important things, obviously, is to make sure that people are properly so social distancing. And that requires a change in mindset for people. So having both protective barriers in place as well as visual cues so people know what to expect when they come into the office place. We here at WRL have made several changes so that we are social distancing within this building. Over the past 10 years, we've seen a shift to more communal working spaces in all types of businesses. Is the coronavirus going to pump the brakes on those uh, trends and ideas? I certainly think it will make some changes. And what we've done is we're able to go into facilities and retrofit their spaces. So even where there are communal areas, we can add protective barriers to separate folks a bit more. What are some of the easiest, most affordable changes businesses can make to their office space right now? Well, I think the first thing you can do is, again, clearly communicate with your staff in terms of what your expectations are, and you can reinforce that with signage the minute they come into the building. You can also add floor decals so people know how far apart they should be standing. And then adding some sort of plexi protective barriers at your reception desk areas, between your workstations, just to provide that extra layer of protection for everybody. Are you being contacted by companies and you know full well that their business does not lend itself to this kind of safety net or, or safety um, measures in place? Uh, can, uh, in, in what way do you mean? Well, you have some places that you just can't social distance. I mean, you're talking about you know, hair salons and things like that, places where close uh, personal contact is part of the business. What can they do? 
Absolutely. I think, you know, our focus has been more on the office space, but I think in other arenas, it's a matter of, you know, if you have multiple stations, maybe every other station needs to remain empty and reducing capacity and so that you can leave a bit more space in between folks. It definitely is challenging for businesses uh, in that, you know, you can't go in and just simply reinvent the entire space from the ground up. Have you learned new things while dealing with these companies that are trying to maneuver this new age of COVID-19? I think the challenge that we're seeing is uh, it's a new arena for everybody. So folks are looking to us and it helps when they can see what a potential solution might look like for them. So we can take their space, for example, and then put that into a 3D rendering and show how you can add in additional barriers that will provide extra protection and where you might place graphics, where you might add a hand sanitizing station or some other indicator you know, to direct the flow of traffic, for example, in many workplaces. Uh, you know, having people flow around the office clockwise so we're not passing one another in the hallway is a simple practice that people can use in their facilities. There is a lot to get used to now that we're talking about being apart from each other on a regular basis. Absolutely. All right, Kathy Hopnack, Managing Partner of New Concepts based out of Durham. Kathy, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good evening. You too. Some changes happening outside Duke Regional Hospital. Nurse Ashley Wheeler shows us in her video blog update. That's coming up next. And for all today's coronavirus headlines, subscribe to our free daily podcast briefs, available wherever you download your podcasts. Duke Regional is the latest hospital in our area to take down outside tents. ER nurse Ashley Wheeler has today's update in a video you will only see on WRAL. I am walking outside briefly. We have taken down our big old tent that we had to have our respiratory patients arrive to. It's kind of trashed out here because they literally just took it down. But um, we have our ambulance bay back and look at our beautiful new construction. Um, today has been largely like yesterday was. Um, Full house, a fair amount of COVID patients, enough that it doesn't feel like we're getting any uh, decrease, um, but not having tons of new cases. It seems that the new cases are coming, continuing to come from nursing homes and from um, places like prisons and um, other law enforcement establishments. So it's pretty clear that anywhere where folks live close together, tight quarters, um, there's a lot of transmission. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody at this point. Tomorrow is a big day here at WRL and across the triangle as we partner with the North Carolina Hospital Association and the Flight Bandit team to honor our frontline workers like Nurse Wheeler you just heard from and Dr. Samuel McLean, an ER doctor at UNC. It's a very satisfying time to be a doctor or a healthcare provider. It's a really, it's never been more meaningful. It's never been more gratifying. If he looks familiar, this is why his pug Winston was the first known COVID case in a dog. Dr. McLean, his wife and their son all tested positive after taking part in a Duke study. His wife, Heather, is a pediatrician there. 
The Bandits start things off here at WREL Studios at 7.02 before flying over Wakemed Raleigh, Duke Raleigh, UNC Rex, and Wakemed Carey. The team then moves west to honor workers at Duke University Hospital, UNC Medical Center, and Duke Regional. If you live in these areas, you'll be able to see them. You can also watch them on WREL. That does it for our news today at 6, or 7 rather. Stay with us for our news at 10 and 11 for the latest on that search going on right now in Wake County. Have a great night, everybody.